wrong with these people? If I had a dime for every time they called me and asked for shoe advice, I would... Wait a second, I just had a vision. Hey, I think I know a way that we can make a fortune. You want to hear about it? No. no. Let's rock. I get a woman. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. What's up, guys? It's the Married with Children podcast. Let's cut the crap and get right to it. My name is Al, and we don't like to get political here, but I'm just going to say it. I voted for Peeman. I'm Jamie, and I have a party to go to in five minutes. My shoes are tight on both feet. I don't know what to do. (laughs) And I'm Dan Chase. You want somebody dead? I'll kill him. (laughs) That's right, guys. We are doing 976 Shoe today, tonight, whatever. Is it nighttime in the nudie bar? <laughs> it's, uh, otherwise, it's, we get the ugly strippers. Can <laughs> <laughs> we get the third string? Yeah, you don't want lunchtime strippers, guys. So we show up at <laughs> night and do this. Uh, Never eat at a strip club buffet. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's funny because there's a strip club on the way to my house, and it, it said Easter party. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like an advertisement. Let's go there for Easter. Like, <laughs> like, why would I want anything to do with Easter there? It's like the most. It's like why? Why would you use that to relate it to religion in any way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the girls climb down off the pole. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what kind of Easter egg hunt they have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do they come out different colors? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, better make sure those are hard boiled. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this is 976 Shoe. We are reviewing Season 4, Episode 8, original air date, November 12th, 1989. Director Jerry Cohen, writers Sandy Sprung and Marcy Vosberg. I like these chicks. They always, uh, they know what they're doing on this show, I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. We've said their names at all the best episodes, so uh, this is no exception, guys. Um Al borrows a big loan from Steve's bank to launch his own shoe hotline. So, <clears throat> this episode starts off with a monumental moment. And Dan, it's almost, once again, meant to be that you are here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the opening scene stars the legendary Dan Tullis Jr. Mm-hmm. With Peg Bundy. And this is... His very first out of 23 appearances on Married with Children. Now, it's interesting um, with with how this, this happens because the way they – Officer Dan has uh, different names on Married with Children. <laughs> I mean, it's all the same thing. It's, you know, sheriff, policeman, FBI agent, stuff like that. You know, it's, it's basically the same stuff, you know. Yeah. In this, in this one, he's sheriff. In the next, in one of the future episodes, at the zoo, he's Sonny. 
That's the only <laughs> really weird one. And then by Rock and Roll Girl, he's Officer Dan. But then after that, the Weenie Tots episode, he's Policeman. And then after that, the Egg and I, where Steve returns, he's FBI Man again. And then he's Policeman for three times. And after that, it's all Officer Dan. That's great. <laughs> so, and I think that you can get away with stuff like that in a sitcom. It's almost like you're allowed to, you know, like have people come back as different characters and stuff like that. It's like whatever. You see that on like dramatic shows and you're like, wait a minute, like, you know, like serious shows and it just doesn't quite add up. Um, you know, like even look at the the new Roseanne that, that we were talking about there. And it's like, you know, a girl coming back as a different character. That totally threw me off, to be honest with you. And Roseanne's a sitcom, obviously. But, like, you you can get away with stuff like that in sitcoms. I think it's fun. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love that Becky, too, came back as, like, the surrogate mother or whatever. Yeah. Oh, come on. I really don't spend that much. Can I keep just... One of my credit cards? I'll make you a sandwich. <laughs> no, thank you, ma'am. I had a couple of donuts this morning waiting for a jumper to make up his mind. <laughs> cards, please. Okay, fine. But you ought to be ashamed. You really don't have anything better to do than harass me when there are real criminals out there. I mean... My husband alone has over 100 unpaid parking tickets. That's Al Bundy, right? Uh-huh. Don't tell him that I told you. Uh, is there any reward for turning him in? I love his uh, expression and when she turns her husband in and asks if there's a reward. Is this a reward? <laughs> the look on his face is classic. <laughs> <laughs> he just never fails. Every I love that guy. Like I remember um he did two episodes of Howard Stern's Son of the Beach and then after that he did The District and then he seems to have retired in 2003. So some trivia about him is that he won $15,000 in a TV game show the new tic-tac-doe in 1985 hmm. yeah and then he went on family feud with his family in 1976 and they won six thousand dollars there <laughs> what wow. that's crazy <laughs> i've always wanted to go on family feud <laughs> uh, okay well yeah so that's a legendary officer dan and it's really really amazing timing that you're on here man it's it's kind of weird that way that I do, yeah, that was funny too. Hey, Jamie, you're right about that reaction. I was like, it's funny because I'm always every episode you're waiting for that first joke, like that first thing to really like kick off the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that look was it for me. And and but that scene too, man. It's funny because I was thinking about just everybody on this show. It's not just the Bundys, but uh, it's one thing to sell Al out or one of her family members out if she's backed into a corner. Yeah, she's not even. She's not even – she's going out of her way to try and get money. <laughs> like why like, is a, a, a sheriff at your house to collect your credit cards? Like are they stolen or something? Like what is it? Right. That I didn't understand at all. You know, that cracks me up because they always do that thing in TV shows where somebody will try to use their credit card at a store and the clerk will cut up the credit card. Yeah, right. 
And I was so disappointed when I first started working in retail. My very first job was in retail. And, well, not my very first, but one of my first jobs was in retail. I was working in a clothing store. And I said, so do we get to cut up credit cards if if, if they, you know, are over the limit? And they're like, no, you don't ever do that. And I was like, oh, like I thought that was a thing. When you asked that, did they give you the Officer Dan look? No, they just laughed at me because I don't think they thought I was serious. But, I mean, growing up, I had seen that on every show. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a thing. Well, wait till Al Bundy comes in one day and, and he shows his credit card and he blows it and it's confetti in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this show would make you think that's what you do. Because even Al says later on, I pulled out the credit card, they pulled out their switchblade. Like, yeah. it's so great. And it, and I I thought – logistically why would they do that like if they say no sorry your card's been rejected let's hand it back to you like who would have the pulses take your credit card and cut it up for what reason right. you know right. like it, yeah. usually you can't make the purchase if something's wrong i guess the only time it came into play was al already got the gas you know so <laughs> well i mean back in the day i guess it kind of makes sense in because back in the day before we had like the digital readers you know before it was automatic or an instant right. you know you had to use the slide machine right which we actually had to use at the store that i was working in mm-hmm. i mean and then it kind of makes sense because the clerk doesn't know if you have room on the credit card or not so they just run it through there's no way for oh, them to really? tell oh that's right so people could make purchases and then leave the store yeah i mean so they could run up their cards really high and no one would know the difference oh man i wish it was 1989 again <laughs> even if that did play out that way though like would you have the cojones to do it right in front of the person like at least do it in the back and be like, sorry we had to destroy it sorry you your card fell on the floor and broke i guess if that was the way things were done then yeah i'd do it like yeah. oops no um <laughs> now today sometimes our technology is a pain in the butt uh, like sometimes i have a hard time chasing a check today you know how like you know, there used to be Right. You know, you could write a check and be like, okay, I've got like three days to get to the bank. And, get yep. like, and now you can't do that anymore because everything's automatic. So, right. um, like, man, they're making it really hard for those of us who try to screw the system. Ah. Jamie, it's so funny that you say that because I do exactly that. I used to I used to hold on to checks for so long, like, just because of stuff like that. Like, even if I'm like, oh, if I do this, I'll at least have, like, a day. Now it's, like, pretty much just like the credit card, you know, more or less. Systematic. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, just don't fill up on donuts while you're waiting to see if the check goes through. <laughs> <laughs> he's waiting for a jumper to make up his mind. Like, I love that whole, uh, we, we could care less anymore. We're all jaded to this. So, eh, the guy was making up his mind. We had a couple donuts. Like, can you imagine, like, the police officer talking to the guy at the megaphone, and then as he stops talking, he takes a bite out of a donut? <laughs> <laughs> That's just so weird. Uh, so, yeah, Peg sells Al out, tells tells officer dan which we'll call him because we know who he is uh even though they don't know now um that al's a hundred unpaid parking tickets like where is al parking to get tickets every single day you would think after like the sixth one he'd be like all right let me just park where you're supposed to (laughs) but no how have they not booted him yet (laughs) (laughs) mom was there ever a time when dad could have made something of his life (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, actually, back before you were born, I remember we were watching TV, and he said, I wish there was some way to change the channel from my seat. <laughs> that was as close as he ever came. Still not a bad idea. <laughs> it's better than his other idea that he has. Oh, shoe lights? Yeah, just stay away from the coin fountain. Yeah. Al always has great lines. Like, when you guys started doing this podcast, Al's opening line was, Ah, home sweet hell. Yeah. And here... Hi, honey. How was your day? Hey, I came home. How good could it have been? <laughs> That's so great. Ed McMahon says I may owe him $10 million. <laughs> the chances of it really being you <laughs> if anybody doesn't know what that is because i don't think it even exists anymore that was a thing Publisher clearinghouse is still around clearinghouse is still around yeah ed mcmahon is not <laughs> right yeah um well he's the... not on the prices right anymore <laughs> that was bob barker i know <laughs> <laughs> well ed mcmahon was the american family publishers guy that sold subscriptions. It started in 1977. It's best known for running a sweepstakes in in which someone was offered a large sum of money, like in the range of a couple hundred thousand or a million, and the winner was chosen at random by an auditing company. And you could win whether or not you even subscribed to the magazine, which is weird. So that's what I don't even know like what they got out of doing that or anything, but. Because a lot of people would buy subscriptions thinking it increased their chances of winning. Right. Yeah. Ah, the phone bill. Hey, we qualify for the gold bill. Peg, Peg, could you cut out the festivities till after I'm dead? Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. That's the town they built around your mother, isn't it, Peg? Look at all these toll calls. Who called the lust line? It's not what you think, Dad. It's it's just naked girls talking dirty to me on the phone. Oh, well, that's okay. Then. He could care less. I, I love Bud, too. He just, he had no shame in his game whatsoever. Yeah. Like, he didn't try and hide that at all. And how about Bud's reaction when Al approves of it? He just, like, sits back in his chair, like, all happy, smiling. Right. He's like, all right, man. What about these three pages of toll calls to the heavy metal hotline? And then a uh, call to the heavy metal hotline. I can see Jamie doing this. I actually used to um, – ha- I used to call Dave Mustaine every day. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> – now, it didn't cost money. It was a it was a toll free call and um, anyway it was basically like a like an update uh, you know like if they're going to be touring or whatever and wow. uh, sometimes it was just like a thought of the day or whatever I don't know really? I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was actually called but um, so it was like a tape record he would record a new thing every day like yeah it would be like a message and yeah I won't even put posts on Facebook every day that's a lot of effort. <laughs> Now, Jamie, was this uh, post Metallica? Yeah, this was actually just a just a few years ago. 
<laughs> what? And I, I mean, it was probably about, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm not kidding. It was probably about four or five years, uh, about five years ago. Why would you have to do that? Like, why couldn't you go to the website and see an updated blog? Because it was a thing that they had. So No, I'm not blaming you. I'm saying why do they do this? Why? Are they... Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe for kitschy appeal. I don't know, but. Um, oh. Hi, this is Dave Mustaine. I did that. It was it was fun, you know. I, it was kind of fun and cool, and I didn't necessarily use the information. Never seen Megadeth in concert, you know? <laughs> yeah. but it well was worth just a the fun, time. <laughs> it was a fun thing to do. So, um, yeah, Kelly calls the well. I guess if it's free, Jamie, then you never got to use Kelly's genius idea. Oh, then that must have been me, Dad. But I was saving you money. Well, how did you do that, pumpkin? <laughs> well. Because they said that it's $3 for the first minute and 50 cents for each additional minute. So rather than get charged extra, I'd hang up after a minute and then call back. (laughs) Well, at least she's trying, Al. Oh, God. (laughs) She's so smart. She really is. And that that has to be one of the most iconic scenes of Kelly ever. Like that. <laughs> I love the right before that. Just and this is a very simple thing, but it cracked me up when he's like, you know, oh, heavy metal hotline, and then he looks at Bud. Bud looks at her. She looks behind her. <laughs> oh, then it must <laughs> be me. And that's so. I mean, people use that in TV all the time. You know that you know, I'm going to keep looking and passing the buck. Right, and then when you realize there's no one left, you're like, no "Oh, no one there. It's you." Uh, but for some reason, that just tickled me. I thought it was great. <laughs> oh, hey, Dad. Uh, Mrs. Donnelly called, and she said her slipper won't fit over her bunion, and she wants to know what she should do. Start walking on all fours the way God intended it to. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? If I had a dime for every time they called me and asked for shoe advice, I would. Why would a woman who bought a shoe know how to call Al? Especially because all the he's a women's shoe salesman and all the women hate him. <laughs> like, why would they be calling him? I mean, I obviously I get it, and it was a great joke. I laughed because I didn't see that coming. You know, I'm so like um, I'm so invested and so ready for the digs at each other hmm. that that when Bud comes in and he just throws out one just like out of left field like that, man. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was a good one. Have you ever had a need for shoe advice? Never. <laughs> no, I just buy new ones. I mean, yeah, if I have a problem, if I can't fix it, then I just buy new shoes. I don't, I, I've never thought, I wish there was someone that I could talk to about right. my shoe problems. <laughs> right. No one else ever thought it either, apparently. Because ah. <laughs> Al just holds his hands over those phones and that's about it. But <laughs> unless the doorbell rings. <laughs> so one time I was driving past a shoe repair place. And I, I mocked it, of course. And the person with me says, no, man, that's that's a legit thing, man. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, who ever got a shoe repaired? Like, for real, like right. in the last, you know, 100 years. He goes, no, man, the people who go there are the people who spent like $2,000 on their shoes. Right. Yeah, right. they have a pair of Ferragamos that right, they want right. to. I mean, I have actually gotten a pair of boots. I um, have a pair of boots that I love, and I've taken them in to get them repaired. And 
it's because they were really nice boots and I didn't want to lose them because I loved them. So I, I get that. Yeah, and you're not going to spend that again. So that's the thing. Like if we're go- if we're buying shoes that pay less or whatever, or, or your your girl or your wife or, or you, Jamie, then you're not really going to like go to a shoe repair place because it probably won't even be worth it. They'll probably charge you more than your shoe costs. Right. That's what I always thought. Yeah. So the people who do go are the ones who buy really expensive shoes. So that's how those guys even stay in business too because – if if they charge somebody you know a hundred seventy five dollars and they paid you know twelve hundred for those shoes they're they're gonna give you the hundred seventy five. Hey Marcy, guess what? I'm closing another loan, and that puts me in the lead for that free trip to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Hicks sign in the papers right now. Uh, not you. I was talking about some other hick. Uh, listen, Mars, the hick is staring at me. I gotta go. Keep the poi warm for daddy. Thank you, Mr. Rhodes. Your loan saved our farm. Well, you know, we only care about you. <laughs> well, you know, you really have to come for supper one night. Yeah, right. Watch for me in the window. <laughs> that hick is uh, a real actor... So the farmer is R. Leo Schreiber, and he was uh, not very big of an actor, but he was in Jake and the Fat Man. He was in Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, and Freddy's Nightmares. Once again, we have an alumni. Wow. wow. That seems a random assortment. <laughs> but at the same time, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're on Dr. Quinn, chances are you're going to be on Freddy's Nightmares as well. Ah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're knocking on doors at that point. I'm in the lead. I'm in the lead. <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. Hey, Steve, I'm glad I caught you. I need a loan. See, I'm going to buy my own toll line. Yeah, it'll be great. People will pay two bucks a pop just to talk to me. Now, I know what you're thinking. It's just another sex line, but it isn't. This is something that I know something about. <laughs> Ready? Five, 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 shoo. (laughs) Al, no banker in his right mind would give you five cents for such a moronic, bunny-brained idea. (laughs) (laughs) Aloha, Rhodes. (laughs) So this guy, Swenson, who almost went to Hawaii, he was just in two other shows, uh, Switched at Birth and Mr. Belvedere. Again with the Mr. Belvedere. Yep. Mm. Yep. We can't escape him. He does not have a outstanding career at all, and that's about <laughs> all he did. And he didn't even get to go to Hawaii, the loser. So he has absolutely nothing going for himself. Tiny <laughs> bubbles up his nose. <laughs> then again, he probably did go to Hawaii when all is said and done, but we'll get there. Uh, <laughs> so Swenson comes in. He raises his, his bar of his chances of going to Hawaii with his newest loan. <laughs> Al, you've got your loan. You need 50000 you say? Well, actually, I only need eighteen. No, you need fifty. Sign right here. We'll fill in the rest later. <laughs> now, Dan, if you were going to have a hotline, what would yours be about? What would you say you know the most about? Hmm, free legal advice? <laughs> now, listen, listen, guys, this is what uh-huh. happened to me. All right. I didn't know any better, but if I just blah, blah, blah. (laughs) (laughs) 
You should get a number like Dave Mustaine. I'd call you every day. <laughs> I know, right? We should open up a hotline for this show. That's what I'm saying. I would do a horror hotline. Yeah? Yeah. Why not? What, do you like horror movies or something? Yeah, you're into that too? A little. Weirdo. You like butchers and horror movies? Bakers and, and candlestick makers? <laughs> and shoemakers. <laughs> now, here's here's the interesting thing. So Al says... He wants to – it's going to be 555-SHOE. That's already strange because this episode right. is called 976-SHOE. Well, they couldn't actually let him use 976-SHOE in case someone out there wanted to use that number. <laughs> right. I mean it would be a real phone number if they did. So they had to do the 555 thing. Although I don't know why they didn't call the episode 555-SHOE. Right. Except at the time that it was a cultural reference because of 976, six, which evil. was everywhere. Well, I thought it was 976 Evil, which was made it in was. 88, right? I thought well, that, you know what? That's true. And that was a... That, that's that's what I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that's a queer uh, horror movie reference. And then it had nothing to do with it. And I was like, huh. And then, like you said, when they added in the 555, uh, five, five, uh, then I got really confused. <laughs> This uh, episode, the meaning of it is the movie 976 Evil, and the Bundy's house number is 9764 also. Uh, the 555 thing, most telephone companies be started encouraging producers of TV shows and movies to use the 555 prefix for fictional phone numbers by the 60s. Like One of the earliest examples of this is the movie The Second Time Around from 1961. So... That that's when that all started, and that became like a. They really pointed that out in the movie uh, Last Action Hero when Arnold right. Schwarzenegger got the phone number from the girl, and the kid's like, "Look, they're all gonna be five five five. Don't uh. you see? You're in a movie." And he's like, "He's like, he's like, how could you? Call, how could every number? You know, how many people live in L.A. and how many combinations can you have?" He goes, "That's why they have area codes." <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I love that movie. Yeah, that, that's that's a whole thing. So. Tiny bubbles up your nose, Swenson. I want to talk to you. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Peeman. Right away, sir. Get lost, Al. It's the president. I voted for you. <laughs> what did you want to see me about, sir? Rhodes, do you know how many loans you've written this year that have gone bad? One or two? Forty. Well, I guess that gives me something to think about while I'm on that beach in Hawaii. <laughs> your zeal to win this trip hasn't affected your judgment. For example, let's talk about the loan that put you over the top. Yes, sir. The Bundy loan, solid as they come. You really believe in the loan? With my heart and soul, sir. Would you put your job on the line for it? No, sir. <laughs> then I will. If this Bundy doesn't come through, you're fired. Al only needs $18,000 to start this phone company, uh, phone hotline, and Steve forces 50000 upon him um, because that's what will get him to Hawaii. Like, he does no checks, no nothing, no cross, 
nothing officially is done. He stamps Al's paper. Al hardly even signs it. Like, he doesn't even appear to sign this paper. If he did, he did it with his left hand, which goes in relation to um, when Al built the bathroom and he he wrote something with his left hand somewhere else because somebody said he's lefty or righty or whatever. He does two different things, so whatever. But if he signed this paper, it was his left hand because I was looking to see if he even signs this because I'm thinking, like, if, if Steve's job is on the line, then... Why not just like cancel the whole thing? Say, eh, forget it. the the deal fell through, Mister Peeman. Uh, the guy didn't want it, so I'm gonna have to take. I'm gonna put my thing back down and wait for another one. But mm-hmm. instead, he acts like he has to keep going through with this when you know Al's not good for it. Yeah. The pre the president of the bank comes over, and Al shook his hand and tells him he voted for him because <laughs> he he doesn't realize that the actual president wouldn't show up. I mean, he doesn't. I mean, who was the president at this time? At that time, it was George Senior. And Al doesn't know this. <laughs> like Mr. P. Mika woke up, and you're like, "Oh, well, I guess that's our president." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't know, though. Yeah, right. He's so not into it. But he voted for him, so now we know who Al voted for. Right. Is right. Peeman Republican or Democrat? Anybody know? <laughs> Peeman, I have no idea, but. <laughs> So, uh, so now, Peeman tells Steve that this year alone he wrote forty bad loans, which mm. obviously means that he wrote a loan and the people couldn't pay it back. Which is crazy. Like I don't know how that works, but I'm sorry, but like you'd be fired. Yeah, like if everybody borrowed like twenty thousand, thirty thousand, and and forty of them didn't pay it back. I mean, that's a lot of money that the bank's not getting back. And Where I was also is Steve working because I need to go there. Yeah, right. You just don't pay him back. And are these just business loans or straight up loans? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't know, but forty bad in a year. So how about that pretty dramatic scene? You know, he says, "If this doesn't come through, you're fired." And Steve's has that concerned look on his face, and and the guy just walks away. And it's it's like one of the first times, like uh, an act break came without laughter or applause or a joke line or anything yeah you know like Mm. a serious moment for an ad break it's dire (laughs) it's great because it gives it more weight like you actually take something seriously for a second i totally agree hey i got to shoot (laughs) man on the side of your feet I'm a goner. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm getting a call. <laughs> Dr. Shu. Hello. Oh, Dr. Shu. I don't know what to do. I'm going to a party in five minutes, and my shoes are too tight for both of my feet. Ouch. <laughs> Probably the worst actress ever. Um, uh, we always let everybody know if a chick was naked on our show, and uh, we're not stopping now. <laughs> so if you want to see her <laughs> naked, look up Carrie Cannell Whitman because it's different on IMDb. It says Carrie Whitman, but if <clears throat> for some reason, sometimes she's just known as Carrie Cannell. Like I think that's like her like stage name or whatever. So it looks like she was in Playboy and stuff like that. So if you look that up, you can see Muffy naked. 
She was in Beverly Hills Cop 2, Men at Work, and Silk Stockings, and she retired, it appears, in 2004 from acting. Otherwise, they just stopped hiring her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And oh, yeah. She was on Baywatch and Living Color. She was in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, in Living Color. And by the way, uh, Mr. Piemann, the bank president, has 55 acting credits, and he seems to be most known for his work in Star Trek uh, TV, so... Yeah, Muffy's acting is outrageous. Has this happened to you? I'm willing to bet that it has. As a matter of fact, I'm betting 50,000 bucks that it has. So, if you're like Muffy here, (laughs) or even if you're just fat and ugly and have a shoe problem, call me on the shoe line. That's 555-SHOE. Can I help? Shoe betcha. I feel better already. <laughs> and then Al just saying, if you look like Muffy here, or if you're just fat and ugly and have a shoe problem. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? So ruthless. I wonder why it didn't work. And what's with the creepy wide-eyed, like, stare that Al does into the camera? Yeah, that was weird, right? <laughs> See, I couldn't tell if he was trying to, like, play one of those creepy salesmen. Because, like, they're not even that creepy. I thought Al was, like, way over the top creepy. That was weird. I that Yeah, that threw me off. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what's he doing? It's very weird. I don't – Al goes into, like, a different mode when he does these commercials. <laughs> like – does he think this is what he's been watching on TV all these years or something? Right, right. Yeah, I didn't... Even if his idea was a good one, would you call that guy? No. His <laughs> execution was horrible. Like, I don't even care if you get a heart check. You get Muffy there who can't act. You, you're toast. You're dead in the water. Yeah, I'd be like, I'm just going to wait for the next shoe hotline guy. <laughs> Let's hope somebody jumps on this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Honey... Let's just say that for one minute, this shoe line doesn't work out. <laughs> Not that I'm being negative, mind you. It's, uh, it's just that no one has called today, and no one will call for a million years. <laughs> Steve, once he realizes that his job's on the line, he basically is glued to the Bundy's couch during this whole fiasco. And, like, the whole first day of the phone calls with no calls coming in, <laughs> Al holding his... Hand hovering over the phone, like as if whoever's calling can't wait five seconds for Al to reach over and pick up the phone. He has to stay right on. <laughs> so Steve's comatose on the couch by the time it's nighttime and nobody's called. Doctor Shoe, it's the doorbell, Al. <laughs> well, get it, Peg. I'm on the phone, Doctor Shoe. <laughs> The government should be paying us. I mean, if he's not disabled, who is? Well, Steve, you told me not to yell at you about the loan until midnight. Then I'd see. What am I seeing? Hello? 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 Well, Steve? <laughs> He hasn't spoken for hours, Marcy. Don't you pull that coma stuff with me, Stephen. You loaned this man $50,000. 
That's $1,000 an IQ point. <laughs> and I can't blame Al. A man gives a gun to a chimp and the chimp shoots someone. You don't blame the chimp. <laughs> was a hidden dig at me, wasn't it? <laughs> his, re- his face reaction, though, when he- as he's processing this? He has two dumb moments between that and the president one in, in this. He-, he may have more dumb moments than Kelly. In this one? I Maybe. Maybe. Except for the, no, ke- nobody could top Kelly's hotline. That's true. And Marcy's hair, like, wow, once again. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, she was great, though, in this episode when she came in. Man, I thought that whole interaction with everything, and I don't know, man, I I think they just nailed it. Like, it's so cool to see how, like, you can overdo something, right? Like, because you could totally uh, overuse that couple, but I think that they're they're used just right, you know? How many calls did you get tonight, Al? Dr. Shoe's files are confidential. None! You got none! None today. Tomorrow, twice as many. you loan money to? I wanted to go to Hawaii. Well, Steve, I guess much like our honeymoon, it's up to me to finish the job and pay the bill. (laughs) Al, I'm going to loan you $50,000. We're rich! We're rich, Ari! I told you I could do it! (laughs) Shut up! It's so you can repay the loan. And the human dribble glass here can keep his job. (laughs) I've got a good record at my bank. I can bury one bad loan. Al, I'll be over in the morning with the paperwork. Yeah, she got some good ones, I think it's interesting that she says she has a great record at her bank and she can bury one bad loan. Yeah. Apparently not. She's going to get demoted, apparently, but... Yeah, well, I think once... I think the reason that happens is because they... In court, when the whole story came out, I think that's why she was demoted. Not because it was a bad loan, but uh, how she went about it. Like, you did it just to cover this, you know? that's It's a whole bunch of stuff you should not be doing, basically. That so, makes sense. She's lucky to have a job. You don't give out a loan to cover another loan knowing that yours is good, you know? Right. So, no calls all night, and he's going to get twice as many tomorrow. <laughs> now, so now, Dan, what is two times zero? I don't know. Don't ask me. <laughs> But so that's three dumb moments. Then we should be uh, taking a little tally here. I think he might be at least neck and neck with Kelly. Yeah. Wow. It always makes me sad when Al does dumb things. Right. <laughs> I, you know, it. I always feel bad for him. Like I always want him to be the smart one. A lot of times he is, you know, and most of the time, I mean, and he just gets dumped on by right. his family stupidity. So that's why it always makes me sad when he, like with the phone bill thing, you know, when she's like, you know what I did, daddy? And he's just like, oh, you know, (laughs) what am I dealing with here? You know, Uh, so I really it makes me sad when he does stupid things. You always feel like he's always at the end of his rope. Like it always feels like this could be the end for the Bundys. Like any stupid situation that they get in could potentially cripple them. And that's why I feel like a uh, a Married with Children revival right now would be ten times. Can you imagine Al just like years later just just completely freaking oh. hammered down by life? Where he'd be by now? Oh. It, 
where he would be right now. That's what I'm saying. Because even then, he was just done. He was fed up. He was at the end of his rope. Yeah, in his early 40s. <laughs> right. So now I think it would just be perfect. Like, oh, it just He'd never ends. paying off that loan. He still would be. I know. Right. Can you imagine if they referenced all the things that, like, still go on from from these days into the new revival? It wouldn't be that hard, man. Be cool. They just would have to consult with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, there's a guy who puts way too much thought into this. <laughs> <laughs> and he drags other people on shows with him. Peg's reaction is priceless when she says, "We're gonna, I'm going to lend you $50,000. She's like, we're rich! We're rich! <laughs> and she's jumping up and down. <laughs> that is just so funny because you just know Peg is just an empty blank head as well. You know, it's like. And she's not taking into consideration that he's got to pay that back. She's just like money. <laughs> yeah. Well, for well, she she doesn't explain it right away. I think that's why that, that I'll give Peg that pass. Yeah. She's yeah. like, Al, I'm going to lend you fifty thousand dollars. Oh my god! And he goes, No, it's to pay Steve back. Well, I, I think that if you had two brain cells to rub together, you would know why she was loaning him fifty thousand dollars. Oh, you think she has without to? an explanation? No, probably not. But (laughs) what I want to know, because he decides then he's going to put it back into the business. Yeah. What the hell would cost him $100,000 with this shoe line? All those phone lines. At this point, he only recorded one commercial, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Also, too, when he was recording him, it was clearly in like a public access place because the guy told him to wrap it up during the right. <laughs> during the second go around. He told him to wrap it up, so clearly he's renting space, uh, you know, for I would assume for a cheap price or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they did make it look like a a doctor's office, but I mean, how expensive was that? Right, right. Well, and he did have an actor. Let's go, Steve. Come home and service me. (laughs) And God help you if you screw that up. This is your fault. You should have to go. (laughs) You should have to go. Yeah, this is your fault. (laughs) Can you imagine Al has to go serve Marcy? Do you remember the days when Marcy and Steve were all over each other? Yeah. You know, and it was like their their sex life was this big deal. And and now Steve is basically right there with Al. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. It's it's sad to see because, you know, Steve's days are numbered here. And it's weird because you could almost see it all come to an end. Although there was no, like, official goodbye show with him or anything like that it's still like all the signs of this completely not working out and the reason that he will eventually leave it all is like culminating as as the the final weeks go by but i was the thing though with marcy is though it's like who would hold this thing together like he ain't gonna do it like so if she didn't step in and do the loan thing and just like um what was it uh an episode or two ago where where she was really trying to help Al, too. I feel like as much as she hates him, it's like Marcy's kind of the glue sometimes. Like, even though, like, they battle and stuff like that, she's kind of the only sane one. Or at least the the, the most uh, intelligent one, because oh, Steve's yeah. brain dead. 
You know what I mean? So at least she's there to uh, to kind of um, bring it back, so to speak, because everybody's everybody's out to lunch, you know, on this show. Well, Steve is smart, but he's easily influenced by Al, so he makes dumb decisions. Right. I think he's only book smart, you know? Right. Correct. I think that's the whole dynamic of Alan Pegg versus Steve and Marcy, that Steve and Marcy are book smart and Alan Pegg are street smart. I don't know if they're all that street smart. <laughs> I mean, we assume, we assume that if you, that there are two different smarts, either you're street smart or you're book smart. But apparently, the opposite of book smart isn't necessarily street smart because while they are in certain ways, there are a lot of ways when, particularly Peg, doesn't have a clue. <clears throat> yeah, she's more clueless than anything. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> So Al owes $50,000 to another bank now with no hope due to this failing idea. Peg won't leave Al, so he truly has nothing. (laughs) Al decides, why go into the gutter owing $50,000 when you could owe $100,000? Because (laughs) now this, the logic behind this is sort of sound. It's like, well... I'll never be able to pay off the 50000 because of this phone thing. Even Al realizes it's not working. And, you know, he will eventually try to, you know, recharge it and maybe think that might get it going. But right now he realizes it's not working and I'll never get I'll never get enough phone calls <laughs> to pay the, the, the bank back, you know. But the logic being, well, why why just owe 50 and be in the gutter anyway when I can go in owing 100 but still have a shot? to get this thing going with the extra 50. Mm-hmm. So it it does make sense, but you have to have a kind of life where you have nothing to lose here. Like you're willing to lose everything and go to right. jail and lose your house and just, it, that's the only difference. But it sort of does make logical sense. It does. No, it definitely does. And I know people that are that are gamblers that go by this logic and they're all broke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it never works. So Al starts filming more commercials. And by the way, just some show trivia of our, our show here. In the first eight episodes or so, I played all of these Dr. Shoe. That's what all the extra money went for. The PhD. He had to get his doctorate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, these Dr. Shoe commercials, I played them as commercial breaks when we started this. And I was going to try to, like, find... Bundy commercial type things and you know whatever and yeah. keep yeah. playing them in between our breaks and stuff and I quickly like realized look there's not that many to go 260 episodes <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to be searching my whole life for these things like I don't know how I'm going to find all these so um, I stopped doing that and I do regret playing these commercials <clears throat> because I played them during the first you know eight reviews that we did which was season one and As you guys know, Al was nothing like he is in season four back in season one. Right. Right. So it was just very jarring to (laughs) hear like the stern, like sensible, serious kind of Al from season one who just was sarcastic to this complete goofy, you know, whatever he, hey, hey kids, you know, with a creepy wave and smile, like that guy just didn't exist in season one. So it just didn't play the right way. And it's just so, you know, it's not a major thing, but I do regret playing it. 
So what you're saying is we don't have them for this episode? Oh, no, we do. So you guys all have to hear them again now. So (laughs) here's one now. I'm Dr. Shoe. A while back, I advertised my shoe line, but apparently you weren't watching. (laughs) So I'm back. Now, you can't tell me you haven't bought defective shoes. Because I know. I sell them. (laughs) So call 555-SHOE. Even if you don't have a problem and you just want to talk about feet, call. I'm serious. This is not a recorded message. I am a human being, damn it. <laughs> that number is 555-SHOE. Let's go. Sadly for me, the commercials are what are the low point for the, of this episode for me. Huh. I think the first one's funny. But the ones that he comes back and does, you know, in the the second round, I just don't think are funny. Wow. I really don't. And I was, through each one, I was like, God, I really was hoping for some better writing. I don't, I I mean, it's just me. But I I agree with that. I just don't personally think they're all that funny. I think it's kind of, I think they're kind of a wasted opportunity. Hi, Dr. Shue again. I've been telling you about my shoe line, nobody cares. So let me mention something else here. 555 shoe also spells 555 rind, 555 pimp, and 555 rigney. Remember, nobody knows as much about rigney as Dr. Rigney. It's Dr. Shoe again. I've made several pleas and nobody cares, so let's cut the crap and get to it. I want to introduce you to some people. This is Mrs. Shoe. My daughter, Kelly Shoe. My son, Bud Shoe. And Buck, the shoe dog. Could you please call? You don't have to talk to me. Just hang up. It's charity, for God's sake. Kids, you don't even need your parents' permission. It'll it'll just be our little secret. Well, what about when he's like, hey, 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 kids, you you don't need your parents' permission? No, that's funny because every one of those commercials always ended with, make sure you get your parents' permission. Right. And then he says, "You want somebody dead? I'll kill him." Like that. Like there were some good lines in there for sure. He was so desperate. I yeah. like that. I like that. You know, he drags the family on there, and you know they're hiding their faces. <laughs> they their faces. Yeah. <laughs> they're so ashamed. <laughs> and it's funny because after the first new commercial, after Marcy gives the fifty thousand, the the next they flip the screen and you see Al with his hands over the phones again. And everyone's behind him, including Marcy, but she doesn't seem upset. She's just standing there. So did he not – I guess she didn't give him that money yet or he didn't use that for these – he still is using the first 50000 Right. No one's flipping out, you know. And then he has another commercial and then they flip again and she's still standing there just looking at them like, is this for real? So Marcy doesn't flip out for the first two commercials after she gives him supposedly that money. 
So I guess it's only on that last one when they show the family where where that's where her money should have been back at Steve, I guess. So uh, now, Jamie, you didn't think it was funny that now uh, 555 Rind, 555 Pinth, and 555 Rigney. So stupid. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was cute. Nobody knows more about Rigney than me. (laughs) Than Dr. Oh, than Dr. Rigney. Yeah, that I didn't like. I didn't like the, the. I just I don't know. Doctor Rig, yeah, he went a little too far with it. Yeah, yeah, mm, yeah. But it's funny the logic of Al. Why would five 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 shoe spelling another thing make anyone want to call it? It's so stupid. That's what's funny well, about it. It doesn't make any out sense. There who doesn't have a shoe problem but needs to know more about Rigney or Pimp or Pimp. Yeah, he was ready to offer advice on any subject. <laughs> I was about to call the one, but I realized it was pimp and not pimp. I thought I was going to learn something else. <laughs> then I said, check the spelling. Do you ever call those 800 uh, numbers, Alex? I'm sure. I do have some vague memory, but I have no idea what it was. You know what I recall about it? Right. Is I, first of all, like you'd never get away with it because it's on your, your home phone bill, yeah. first of all. But you just get to it and somebody would say, hello, and then I just hang up. <laughs> there was a. No uh, wonder why I'm still single. <clears throat> summer between, I want to say it was between ninth and 10th grade. I used to stay up late at night watching TV. And there was this one commercial that I would see for this line. Every single night. I mean, like multiple times every single night because I would watch the same channel. What was it? And it was uh, it was for a I know this I know this commercial by heart. And this is almost 30 years later. Eight, seven, seven cash now. No, (laughs) no, it's um, alone. Need a new friend or simply wanting to talk personally, one on one, caring and fun loving people just like me are waiting 24 hours a day for your call. If you're down, we'll bring you up or just call for the fun of it. There's no gab line hassles or shouting. It's just you and me together. Call now. 1-900-454-1661. Oh, my God. And I'm not even kidding. I have known that by heart for close to 30 years. Oh, my God. God. And I and I know Jamie and I I could tell you didn't just read that either. Wow. Absolutely not. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna call it right now, actually. You sold me. <laughs> yeah, it might right? still be around. I don't know. They had enough damn commercials back then. Listen, if Dave Mustaine still has his number up, that one is up as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when the family's doing this commercial, how about when even Buck turns away? That's great. I was waiting for that. Yeah. And they did it, so Time's up, Bundy. Uh, please call. Uh, please call. Let's rap. Uh, you want somebody dead? I'll kill him. Please call. <laughs> that number again is... This is what you did with my $50,000? Another satisfied customer. You can't be too. Uh, please call me. <laughs> it's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Tiny bubbles and make me happy. Make me 
serious so he yelled at him and then he laughed at him again and then everybody started laughing at daddy it was so <laughs> I can't believe I missed it oh it was great the trial had everything crying that was Mr. Rhodes he lost his job you know and then Steve lost his job at the bank that is like a major major deal um, his entire character his whole Mercedes driving, I'm better than you, rich guy lifestyle is permanently over, forever. Mm-hmm. From here, even when he leaves the show and comes back, he never has great jobs. So hmm. that is over. Which with. is wild because I remember that about him, but I never realized that Al was the reason. Yeah. That Al basically right. ruined his life. I mean, he did it himself. This is a decision he made, but that, you know, Al was the crux of it. Yeah, Al knew this would happen and didn't care. Like, Steve obviously must have told him when he was glued to his couch for how many days, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I'll lose my job if this doesn't... So Al knew this. And he could have just saved Steve's job and had Marcy bury the bad loan, but instead, he just didn't care. Like, this Mm. is way beyond jokes. This is like traumatic stuff. <laughs> this is life-altering right. decisions, yeah. <laughs> well, and it all stems from a trip to Hawaii. Imagine that. Yeah, they're well, always going. Have for just people. bought a trip to Hawaii. Right. Right. Exactly. That's why. Yeah, I don't know. I also didn't realize too how much uh, loan officers made. Oh my god. Yeah. Like, is, that, is that like a good job? Like, I guess. Yeah, I guess. So it's just it's just crazy to think about this. So this is this is probably the true beginning of Steve's departure. <laughs> this is where everything starts just really it's the beginning of the end, yeah. Yeah. Like you see his flaws in the relationship with Marcy in the last few episodes and definitely this one with the service me and all that, but man, yeah, this is this is the beginning of the end. So you think that stunned look on his face is really wow, that's like important. He was like really going through some stuff, huh? Uh-huh. Oh wow. yeah. Yep. There was an honest-to-goodness fit. That was Mrs. Rhodes. She got demoted to drive-up window teller. Marcy was demoted to drive-up window teller, like Jamie mentioned earlier. Um, I guess she couldn't bury one bad loan. But like I said, I really think that when everything got, like, spread out in court and they figured what the moves everybody made were, they are like, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's not a regular loan. You're, like, doing activity you should not be propri- was that called proprietoring our money or whatever with say yeah don't look at me for big words alex okay <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, After six years, (laughs) you should know better. I'm sorry. Did you guys ever take out a loan from a bank? Yes. You have, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Service credit union, yo. No, not not directly. I've never actually physically walked into a bank and taken out a loan. No. The most I've ever done was uh, I borrowed money for cre- from the credit union because f- they give really great uh, interest rates. Right. right. For vehicles, I'm I'm currently doing it now, and I did it back in like 2007. That's what I did. Yep. Yeah, and I did actually borrow money against my own 401k. I needed like a ton of money for something, and. That's that's your own money, and you pay yourself back. You can borrow your own money. <laughs> and then Daddy and the judge and a whole bunch of lawyers went into this chamber. Bring it home, Daddy. <laughs> well, after the lawyers got done going, hey, did you check out the blonde bimbo in the red mini? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Anyhow, then we finally got down to business. I begged for the death penalty, but... Uh, <laughs> They insisted that I learn a lesson. So to pay back the $100,000 I owe, the banks agreed to extend my mortgage for a couple of years. How many? Oh, a hundred. <laughs> so by the year 2157, we'll have the second one paid off. <laughs> then I can retire. No, 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 Dad. Then you start paying off your parking tickets. Hey, how the hell did they find out about that anyway? Gee, it must have been that darn Steve. <laughs> How'd they know about that, by the way? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you almost forget about the park. They come back around right at the end. Must be that kidding. darn Steve. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, but come on. Buck up, honey. Don't worry. I'll always be your Mrs. Shoe. And we'll always be your little shoes. Shoe betcha. <laughs> so you haven't lost any more respect for me? Oh, now that would be impossible, wouldn't it, kids? I mean, honey, you lost $100,000. How many men who earn less than a fry cook can say they lost $100,000? Fry cook? Dad makes less than a newspaper boy. A street mime. The guy who scrapes dead animals off the highway. A lab animal. A circus geek. A barnacle scraper. A professional miniature golfer. A qualified teacher. Which one? The qualified teacher one is hilarious, and yeah. it's it's under the music, so right. you almost miss that joke, which is sad because it's the funniest one. Uh, but I like that they slip it in there, um, and yeah. it's from Kelly. Kelly, yeah. Um, but guy who scrapes dead animals off the highway, that's a city job. He makes good money. Right. And um, there was another one that, oh, fry cooks make really good money. So, or not, you know, Decent. not like if you work at McDonald's necessarily. I don't know how much they make. But the cooks at the diners around here, they make like $18 an hour. You can make 15 to 18 for sure. Easily. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, and that's just like the diner job. That's not even... Right. I mean, I guess that would be a fry cook, but um, Al surely doesn't make that much. Oh, no. <laughs> and I do love, though, how they go out swinging in this episode. Like, they just keep firing the jokes uh, even after the credits are rolling. That was great. I was like, oh, man, they're just going to keep going with this until it fades out. Ha. Perfect. They have love so it. much material, we can't even <laughs> stop before right. credit. Exactly. 
All right, guys, you ready to rate this episode after this little break? Shoe betcha. No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. Wow, yes. And guys, we are on Instagram now, so follow us on Instagram. It's a new thing. You won't believe what we put in there. So, I'm going to guess it's going to be pictures of hot chicks. Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's about all we can come up with. That's <laughs> all we got, sorry. Yeah, sorry, we're not that imaginative. Have you had an episode where you didn't have a hot chick to put? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. Hey, Alex was like, there was one. <laughs> and when that happens, we'll just use Kelly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. We're not going to go without anything for a full week. I mean, what do you think we are? Right, animals. How many credit cards are we cutting up for this episode, Jamie? Well, I really do like this episode, and I know I said that it had a low point, and that's just it. It's just a low point of this episode, but it's still not bad. I think this episode overall is very funny. Uh, I'm going to say 4.5. Can I do 0.5? Yeah. We do 0.5. Sure can, Jamie. I'll do a 4.5. I'm just knocking it down a little bit just because I think the commercials could have been funnier. Although they do get a little extra credit for that Don Ho reference with uh, Steve's tiny bubbles up your nose um, because he's going to Hawaii. So they slipped in a little Don Ho reference that I don't know if people today would necessarily catch. That's a song. And he said tiny bubbles up your nose for a Hawaii song. Well, Don Ho is Hawaiian, and he is like he's a Hawaiian entertainer, and he has a song called "Tiny Bubbles." So when he beats oh. Swenson, you know, at the loan contest, he turns to Swenson and says, "Tiny bubbles up your nose," because you know he's going to Hawaii. Right. So he thinks. Nice catch. So what's the rating again? Oh, 4.5? 4.5. 4.5. five. Four point five. Credit cards. I'm chopping up. credit cards. So she's cutting one credit card in half and giving it back. Yeah, they can use it every other day of the week. Oh, okay. (laughs) So, Dan, how many credit cards are you cutting up for this episode, 976 Shoe? Man, I keep every episode. They're all so good so far. Um, I'd give it a solid uh, four cut up credit cards out of five. I I do agree with Jamie that that the, the ads there were funny. But I feel like they maybe possibly could have been funnier. That that was the that was the room for improvement right there. So uh, so four cut up credit cards out of five. How about you, Alex? I I definitely see where you guys are coming from. I I suppose that yeah, they definitely could have been stronger. That's true. Uh, but for some reason, it never made like the overall walk away feeling from the episode to me is that I love this and. 
you know, like, I guess those little things, although technically in a, a rating, I would probably have a little lower. Um, I still have to give it a five out of five because I love the episode. It's it's just a great one to me. I, I love the introduction of Officer Dan. I love Al going through Bill's and Kelly's iconic uh, hang up after the first minute and call back. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is incredible to me. And then that was good. Al coming up with a stupid idea. I love the whole scene in the bank where he just gives them the loan to beat the guy. And then all of a sudden, like, we get a real storyline about Steve could lose his job. Now we got some real stakes on this episode. Right. You know, and the commercials, Al being the most bizarre, goofy, creepy guy ever. <laughs> and then the hot chick, Muffy. And then the failing and the, you know, the doorbell rings. He's pick up. Hey, that was the doorbell, Al. Uh, well, then go get it. I'm on the phone. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like such strong writing everywhere else. And I do think that the commercials, for the majority, have strong writing. And it was funny to say, well, let's add a bad actress in here. That's a great thing to throw in. Let's throw in every little cliche that for these horrible commercials, you know. And even the corniness of Al having the phone number on the bottom of his shoes. Like, everything about it. And then Al keep on making more and more commercials. All right. You guys don't care, so let's cut the crap. He goes, <laughs> you know, we're starving or whatever it is, you know. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just think that's that's all great and it's funny and, and you don't really see episodes like this of from anywhere else. So, mm. to me, it's just like an iconic, classic, great season four episode that I love. So, like I said, I'm going to get repetitive, but uh, I will give it a five out of five despite the tad few seconds of, of not so strong writing in the commercials. Yeah, great season. I'm having a blast. I I knew that we we would in the golden years, and you know it's great to you know revamp the show like we did. And it's all great timing. Yep, good time. Officer Dan, Officer Dan. <laughs> yeah, you were here for his intro, man. That's weird. <laughs> so uh, next episode that we are reviewing next week is oh what a feeling. After Al's car breaks down, he's shocked. To discover Peggy has squandered his secret nest egg. 